Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Well, what's good? It's me, Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. I'm extremely happy today and really excited today to introduce you to somebody that I can honestly say, without hype, has saved my life. And I'll share with you what that means here in a second. But most of you know, well, this podcast is about three things, health, wealth, and happiness. And it's about not just a conversation, but it's about giving you some tools, some insights, and some tools that you can use that you can change the quality of your life. And so we're going to switch gears a little bit today and talk about health. And it is ironic, or shall I say it is right on time because of the times that we're in right now. Obviously, we're two months, two and a half months into the COVID-19, let's just say pause in our momentum. And the individual I'm going to share with you today is my teacher, my friend, and my mentor in something that I thought I had under control. And for a certain amount, I did, but that is my own health. And Dr. Tennant, I'm going to share with you a little bit about him first, and then he'll share with you more. I met him in November of last year, and I met him because I was doing a UPW with Tony Robbins. You know, I forget. Well, it was, in, uh, it was in Miami. And I didn't know much about him. I actually had met him the night before, just shook his hand. And Tony asked me to introduce him. And we brought him in on the health day. And he shared with me a little bit about him. And Dr. Tennant was one of the founders, original founders of LASIK surgery and, and a brilliant, brilliant man. And the only thing that Tony told me was introduce him as being somebody that is going to change the face of medicine. So I didn't really know much about him, and I introduced him, and this man came out, and I think there was probably about 12,000 people in the audience, and this man came out and proceeded to blow everybody's mind with his wisdom and his insights and the things that he does. And I'll just give a real brief, this is will be my feeble definition of the concept that he talks about, but um, basically we're all electrical beings. And, and Dr. Tennant, if you would, when you come on, would you please share with us a little bit what, where it came from and how that electricity affects our health, our immune system, and our energy. So without further ado, this is my dear friend, Dr. Jerry Tennant. Jerry, how are you doing? Good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Joseph. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. And if you would, you know, that was, again, my feeble attempt at uh, explaining what you do. But if you would, please share with us, you know, who you are, what brought you to what you do, and a, and a little bit about what it is that you do. Well, thanks. Perhaps just sharing my personal story, as you've done, will be instructive of how I got to be sitting in this chair uh, visiting with you today. So I'm trained as an ophthalmologist, and I did a lot of fun things in ophthalmology. In addition to being board certified in ophthalmology, I'm board certified in ophthalmic plastic surgery. 
And so we had a lot of fun changing things in ophthalmology. We was I was one of the early people to start putting lenses in eyes after cataract surgery. We developed the techniques for outpatient eye surgery and moved it from the hospital to outpatient. I did the majority of the research for the lasers that's used in LASIK, et cetera. So we had a lot of fun doing all of those things. But in particular, when I did the Hexamer laser research for this, for the laser that's used in LASIK, we didn't know at the time that the laser wouldn't kill viruses. And so I was actually using the laser to cover scars off of, the, of a fellow's eye and he had leukemia. So as I used the laser to carve off the scars, it released these viruses, which went through my mask, into my nose, into my brain, and I developed encephalitis. Mm -hmm. And so that resulted in me getting to where I could see a patient, know what was wrong with them, but I couldn't remember how to write a prescription. Also, I developed spastic movements, so I'd be sitting here and all of a sudden do something like that, which doesn't work very well if you're operating inside somebody's eyeball. (laughs) And I had just overwhelming fatigue. And so I uh, had to quit work at the end of November 1995 because I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I went to see the best docs I could find in New York and Boston, et cetera. And they would say, well, you had three viruses in your brain. We don't know what to do about it, so don't call us. We'll call you. And so I began to sleep 16 hours a day. I had two or three hours a day in which I could understand a newspaper and then like a light switch would go off. And I couldn't understand it anymore. So with no help from standard medicine, I realized that I had two choices, either lay down and die, or during those two or three hours, I could think to try to figure out how to get myself well. And I chose the latter. So as I sat here on my couch in my home, I began to think about the fact that all the different cells in the body look different, but they actually have the same hardware, just different software. And I began to think, well, you know, if I can figure out how to make one cell work, I can make them all work. And so I went out and bought about 10 books on cellular biology, which I hadn't read for about 30 years, and began to read through those. And one of the things that jumped out at me from each book is that it said cells needed to run at a pH between 7.35 and 7.45. Well, I didn't know exactly what that meant. I know it had something to do with acid-base balance, but that's all I remembered from my chemistry years ago. And as I began to evaluate pH, I began to discover that pH is simply measurement of voltage in a liquid. Voltage in a liquid. So if you think about uh, this light that's running here, my computer, et cetera, that's more conductive electricity where you got a copper wire and it has electrons running through it until you turn the switch off. They run through again when you turn it on. But a liquid like this bottle of water has different possibilities. So water can either be an electron donor or an electron stealer. So a liquid has different possibilities than a copper wire. So the way that works is you take a sophisticated voltmeter called a pH meter, and you can measure the voltage in the liquid. And also it tells you whether it's an electron donor or electron stealer. And so... The way it works is that if you take and measure voltage in a liquid, if it's an electron stealer, you put a plus sign in front of the voltage. And if it's an electron donor, you put a minus sign in front of it. And then so you measure the voltage and then you convert it to a logarithmic scale that goes from zero to 14 and call that pH. So plus 400 millivolts of electron stealer is a synonym 
of a pH of zero minus 400 millivolts of electron donors a synonym of a pH of 14. Well, when you say that the body must run between a pH of 7.35 to 7.45, you're actually saying that the body is designed to run between minus 20 and minus 25 millivolts. Now, people get confused because if you take a cell in a Petri dish and put an electrode inside the cell and another one outside the cell and measure across the cell membrane, you'll get about minus 90 millivolts. But that's not the way things work in the body. We're not measuring across the cell membrane. We're measuring the environment in which cells are designed to run. So they have to run between minus 20 and minus 25 millivolts. And then to make new cells, we need double that energy. So we need minus 50 millivolts to make new cells. Now, the next interesting piece of the puzzle is the fact that we're constantly wearing ourselves out. Yes. And we're either wearing ourselves out or we're damaging cells. So you get new cells in the macula of your eye every 48 hours. The lining of your gut's replaced every three days. The skin you're sitting in today is six weeks old. Your liver's eight weeks old. Your nervous system's eight months old, etc. So as we wear cells out, we have to have the 50 millivolts and make new ones in order to keep going. So that leads one to the obvious conclusion that chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells at work. Let me say that one more time because it's very important. Chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells at work. Well, that leads one to the obvious question, so what's it take to make a new cell that works? Well, as I mentioned, you have to have minus 50 millivolts of energy, but you have to have all the parts it takes to make a cell. And here's where a lot of people get into trouble, and that is people who are chronically ill will go out shopping, so they'll try acupuncture, makes them a little better, but didn't get well. They'll try chiropractic, made them a little better, but didn't get well. They'll try herbs, same thing, story. They'll try all these different modalities of medicine, which makes them a little better, but never quite gets you there. And the same is true for having the parts it takes to make cells. So people will take vitamin C and say, well, maybe a little better, but I'm still not great. Well, so then they'll try something else. They'll try magnesium and then they'll try whatever. And the important part to remember is that if a hurricane or a tornado comes and tears your house down and you have to build it back, you can't build it back with doorknobs and bathroom tiles. You see, those are important. You want to have those. So you need the vitamin C or you may need the magnesium, et cetera. But you can't build a house with just those. And you can't build cells with just those. And that's why those tend to fail as well. So people think, well, I'm going to find this amazing South African jungle juice that's going to make me well. You're never going to find it. Because essentially nothing has everything it takes to make a cell. So when you start to do the nutrition piece, you have to be sure that it has everything in it that it takes to make a cell. Or again, it doesn't work. And by the way, if I, if I could jump in for a second, that's exactly how I functioned most of my life, as you know. And that is the belief that what I put into my body in terms of my nutrition was the biggest factor with regard to my health. That, and of course, as a psychologist, that, you know, how we think and how we move our bodies were all those. But until I met you, I recognized that there was one huge piece missing. Yeah, so that's a very common problem, Joseph. So many people think that you're going to be able to do it with just nutrition, but a lot of times they're missing pieces of that and or they're having toxins in their body, et cetera, 
So again, you have to have the voltage, you have to have the parts it takes to make a cell, and you have to deal with toxins that damage cells as fast as you make them. So if you do those three things, the body will go out and start healing because the human body never forgets how to heal itself. Yes. The human body never forgets how to heal itself. Then I began to focus on the voltage piece. And the reason I did that is that as I looked at these various modalities of medicine, acupuncture, chiropractic, herbal medicine, essential oils, massage therapy, etc., I thought, well, because each of those works sometimes, there has to be something about it that makes it work, but something that's missing when it doesn't. And if I could figure out the common thread through all of those, I would know what was missing. And it turned out that the common thread in all of those is voltage. And so that began to move me down that road. Well, I began then to think, okay, the body has to have voltage to work. That makes sense. So how am I going to measure it? How do I figure that out? And I discovered that a chap named Nakatani in Japan was the first person to use modern electronics to measure acupuncture circuits. And he published his work in 1951. Reinhold Vohl in Germany did something very similar the next year. So I was able to acquire one of Nakatani's rather rudimentary devices and started measuring my voltage and discovered that my brain was running between two and four millivolts instead of 25 millivolts. So now I knew why it didn't work. So the next step was, well, what are you going to do about it? And so I began to realize I had to figure out what the electronic system of the human body is because it wasn't, I couldn't find that that'd been published anywhere. So I began to go down that road. And one of the things that I discovered is that our muscles are piezoelectric. So what does that funny word mean? Well, if you take a piece of quartz and you squeeze it with a pair of pliers, it emits electrons. So anything that you, when distorted, emits electrons is called piezoelectricity. So our muscles are piezoelectric. And that's why anytime I move my muscles, if I exercise or move around, they're generating electrons. And fortunately, they're also rechargeable batteries. So the human body is designed to recharge its portable battery pack by simply moving. So if I could jump in for a second, and this sure. was lights on for me. And this is why it's so critical that we move our bodies, that we move our bodies because that emits the energy, the electricity that is stored in those batteries. You taught me that our muscles are like stacked batteries. Exactly. So our muscles are actually stacked one on top of each other like this, like stacking batteries in a flashlight and surrounded by a common stocking of what's called fascia, which is that white stuff you see when you card your turkey. So we have stacks of muscle batteries. So every organ in the body has its own battery pack. Every organ in the body has its own battery pack. Meaning its own muscle that is that. Muscle. Got it. Battery pack, exactly. And so a stack of muscle batteries is what's been called an acupuncture meridian. So the other thing is then that this, the fascia that's surrounding the muscle batteries is the body's wiring system. And that wiring system, that fascia, is a what's called a semiconductor in electronics. So what in the world is a semiconductor? Semiconductor is an arrangement of molecules designed in such a way to move electrons at the speed of light, but only in one direction. So that's our wiring system, which, by the way, helps us understand why when you put a drop of essential oil on your big toe, it's in your brain at the speed of light, the frequencies of it. So anyway, we have now a battery system with a wiring system. And that's the main battery system in their body. But we have several other batteries as well, which I won't go into because of time constraints. But the point is the body has multiple batteries of different sizes 
to provide the 25 millivolts for things to run and the 50 millivolts to make new cells when we need it. So we simply get into trouble when one or more of those battery packs won't hold a charge. Simple as that. So that leads us to ask the question, well, why won't it hold a charge? Now, is this why you can charge the battery and feel good, maybe even charge it with nutrition and things like that, but then it runs out? Yeah, one of the interesting things about the way the body is wired up is that the body has the ability to move voltage from one battery to another battery and to share. This was actually discovered back in the late 1800s by the dean of the medical school in Omaha. So the interesting thing then is the body has this great mechanism where it moves electrons around as needed to try to keep everything going, but particularly it wants to keep the heart and the brain working. So it'll let everything else go if it has to, to try to keep those two organs working. So it can share. Now let's assume this pin is, is a battery. Can you see it? Yeah, I've got it in the screen. And by the way, if you can't see this, he's uh, holding a pin straight up and down because this is a podcast as well. Yep. So Basically, at one end of a battery, you have a plus, and the other end, you have a minus, so it has polarity. Now, it's well known in battery technology, if you take any rechargeable battery and you drain it all the way to zero, it flips itself upside down. Well, once the battery has flipped its polarity upside down, it won't take a charge. Uh, so if you take any rechargeable battery and you put it upside down in a battery charger, guess what? It won't take a charge, and so it is in the human. So when one of our acupuncture muscle battery packs flips its polarity upside down, because it's drained to zero, then no matter what you do, nothing works because you can't restore the voltage. So the body tries to keep you going by this voltage sharing between batteries. But if you have several batteries then that flip, then you get in more and more trouble until finally you just don't have the juice to keep anything well. And then you're sick and can't get well until you address the, the battery voltage issue in the body. That leads us to the obvious question, well, what made the battery pack drain? because that's where all the answers are. Well, we've identified five different reasons that batteries lose their charge. First of all is thyroid hormone. The thyroid hormone T3 controls the voltage of every cell membrane in the body. And so if you don't correct or have thyroid functioning correctly or have adequate thyroid hormone, then nothing really is going to work. And that's often overlooked because... Doctors are trained to look at the blood test called TSH, but you can have a normal TSH and be very deficient at the cell membrane in T3, which is, again, what controls it. So what you really want to know is how much free T3 do you have, and you want that between 3 and 4 on your blood test. And if it's below that, then, again, you have to correct it with the appropriate thyroid medication. You can use bioidentical thyroid pills to get that back where it belongs. Next, we have to look at scars. Remember, I told you that the fascia around the muscles is the body's wiring system. So if you take us and make an incision or have an injury and it touches that scar, it creates a short. So our fascia is supposed to be like this, so electrons can go through. But if it's like that, even if your battery's charged, the voltage can't go anywhere. And this can be jumbled up like that from a scar, also from tattoos. Because many tattoos, the carbon particles that they insert go deep enough to short out this, the fascia or your wire. So we look at thyroid, we look at scars, and then we look at dental infections. Now, when an embryo is forming, the brain starts forming first. And then circuits go from the brain down into the rest of the body. And on their way down into the body, 
they go through very specific teeth. So our teeth become an integrated part of every circuit. Well, you can imagine if you have decay in a tooth that the decay would act like a resistor and drop the voltage trying to go through there. And then worst of all, if the uh, decay spreads into the bone around the tooth, it really shorts it out very much like flipping a circuit breaker. So one of the more damaging things that makes people get sick, it's often ignored, is a dental infection, particularly if you have a dead tooth with like a root canal or you have infection in the bone where a tooth was pulled. And so, again, that's one of the major things that really shorts a circuit out. So, again, we have thyroid, scars, dental infections, and then we look at emotions. Now, emotions are very fascinating because for almost everybody has heard of this so-called mind-body connection, but very few people can tell you what that means. They just say, oh, well, you have a lot of emotions that makes you sick. Well, how's that work? Well, here's how it works. To understand this, you have to think about an orchestra playing. If all of the instruments in the orchestra are in tune, it's beautiful music. But if one of the violins is out of tune, what you hear is that screeching violin in front of all the music. Now, both our memories and our emotions are stored in the body as magnetic fields, very much like a magnetic needle writes pictures on a DVD player. Well, if you think about that, then the both emotions and memories are stored with different frequencies, but the difference is that our memories are stored with frequencies that are compatible with the body, like being in tune with the orchestra, where our emotions are stored with frequencies out of tune, like the out-of-tune violin. So we don't want to hear those emotions screeching and yelling at us 24-7, so we build a wall around so we don't have to hear it. But that wall blocks the circuit and drops the voltage and beats the low voltage and it makes us sick. So that's the way that our emotions make us sick. Is dropping voltage. Absolutely fascinating. And, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you get the opportunity, and hopefully he'll share that with us a little bit later, I took his course in December, was it, Doc? Thanks, Seth. I think that's right. Yeah. I took his course, and it was fascinating. But I will say, more than just the knowledge, which is the reason I have him on this call, and maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the remedies that people can do, even as we're sitting right now. Uh, having that knowledge and then doing something about it has changed my life. I will tell you, I said this at the very beginning, you literally changed my life. When I went in uh, to uh, have my exam at Dr. Tennant's office in Texas, and I always pride myself on being healthy and having lots of energy, and if you know me, I do. However, <laughs> when I went and found out my voltage was so low, I basically had one foot in the grave and one on a banana peel. And as Dr. Tennant said to me, it's just a matter of time before something catastrophic happens to you because out of those five things, four of them were big challenges, especially with the dental with me. There you go. Well, how do we deal with this emotional thing? Well, the human body is an electromagnet. And every electromagnet is surrounded by a magnetic field. And whatever information is in the magnet gets transmitted out into the field around it. That's true in all electromagnets. Well, the human is an electromagnet, and this field goes out about five feet or so. So if I were to walk into your space, let's say inside of five feet, I'm actually walking through your memories, but I have no way of detecting those, fortunately, because I don't need to know that. But if I bump into one of your emotions and I'm paying attention, I will feel it because it's very much like walking down a sidewalk and all of a sudden there's a gust of wind that hits you in the face. So as I walk into your field, I can feel 
your emotions if I'm looking for them. Well, if I simply take scalar energy, and scalar energy, by the way, is either sound or the biotransducer. If I put scalar energy onto that emotional that's reflected out in your magnetic field, I will simply tune it into a different frequency, one that's compatible with the body. And so what I've done is I've attuned an emotion into being just a memory. So let's say you're driving around a curve and you have a car wreck. Next time you drive around the curve because of the emotion of the wreck, your pupils dilate, your pulse speeds up, you perspire, et cetera. Now, if I take in and turn the emotion of that wreck into being just a memory of the wreck, now when you drive around the curve, you just say, huh, that's where I had my wreck. But nothing happens because now it's just a memory. And so it's amazingly powerful. So again, we look at thyroid, we look at scars, we look at dental infections, we look at emotions, and then finally we look at toxins. Now, toxins can include a wide variety of things. It can be bacteria, viruses, fungus, pesticides, GMO foods, heavy metals, the list goes on and on. And so the interesting thing is that every atom in the universe has its own frequency, which one can measure with a gadget called a spectrophotometer. So you can measure the light coming from the moon and say, oh, there's magnesium on the moon. I see its frequency. Well, if you put a bunch of atoms together and make a molecule, now it has a certain pattern frequency. So every molecule has a distinctive pattern, and you can use a device called a mass spectrometer to measure, and that's how the CFSI folks can say, oh, this person was poisoned with fill-in-the-blank. They can see its pattern of frequencies in that machine. So what to do about that? Well, if you take a frequency and you put it in again, it increases its power or amplitude. But if you take a frequency and you put the same one in out of phase, the two collapse each other and poof, they're gone. And in physics, that's called destructive interference. So if you go out to Reno or Las Vegas and go in where the slot machines are, they don't want you to use your cell phones. And the hotels know the frequencies that all the phone companies use. And so the hotels put out the phone frequencies, but out of phase. So when you try to use your phone, it simply collapses your signal and it won't work. Well, we use that same basic technology as was originally developed by Dr. Lee Cowden. We're able to scan the body and find frequencies that don't belong in there. And then we put those in a little bottle out of phase, shine scalar energy through it into the body, and poof, those things are now gone. And so it's a fairly rapid and easy way to detox people. This is absolutely fascinating. And I know in the time that we have left here, I know because I have one and I use it literally every day, you actually have a machine. You actually have a couple of machines to help people do that. Take a little bit of time and share the aspect of scars, especially tattoos, because there are a lot of people with tattoos that might be thinking, well, wait a minute, am I screwed because I have tattoos? But yes, there is something you can do about it. And I I know there's things that people can do even without the machine, but share with us a little bit about what they can do and then maybe a little bit about the machine. Well, the most scars, you can tell if it's shorting you out with a simple test. You simply put your thumb to your ring finger and have somebody pull to, to teach you how strong you really are. And then you take the two fingers, index and middle finger of the other hand and put it on the tattoo or scar and then see if that makes you go weak. If you touch a tattoo or a scar and you can't hold your fingers together, it's shorting you out. So to fix that, what we do is I've developed an essential oil blend that I call soreness. But you put some of that essential oil on it and then you take the device called biotransducer, which puts out scalar energy. Shine that on there, 
for about most of the time, about three minutes or so, and then go back and retest and you'll find now you're strong again. So what it's done is it's taken the garbled up electrons and actually realigned them like this. So now it's not shorting. And this is something I can attest to as well, because I, <laughs> I got scars all over my body. And when we did that with me, it, was, it showed up on the, on the measurements as well. It changed. Yeah, and the other thing is that if you have scars that are really deep or scars that have been used repeatedly, like many women will have two or three babies through the same C-section scar. Generally, those scars are not cured by just the essential oil in the biotransducer. So we have to use a German technique called neurotherapy. If you take a specific German anesthetic, and it has to be the German one, not the one that's usually used in the U.S., it's called procaine. If you take procaine and it metabolizes, it releases 286 millivolts of energy. So what you do is you put this anesthetic in a syringe and then use a very tiny needle and just go right along the scar, injecting a little bit of that anesthetic, and it'll correct it. So one of the two will almost always fix the scar problem. Fantastic. Well, I know, Doctor, and first of all, thank you so much for this. I know everybody's fascinated. And as we were talking before we started the uh, recording here, we were talking about whenever you're listening to this recording, the recording is being made during month number two, actually going into month number three of the COVID-19 shutdown. And obviously, it's not, people are not able to get to your clinic. Share with us a little bit about your clinic. And then maybe something, if there anything people can do to get a hold of you and get more information about you now, uh, as we're going on this stuff, and maybe even book ahead. Sure, thank you. Well, I have a clinic in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in a suburb called Colleyville. And you can call our clinic at 972-580-1156. 972-580-1156. For more information with many videos, etc., that tell more of the theory of what we do, you can go to our website, which is tenantinstitute.com. And that's T-E-N-N-A-N-T, tenantinstitute.com. And so I would just mention, you know, if you're listening to the news, what they're telling us is that about 90% of people who succumb to the coronavirus have some other illness. So what does that mean? Well, it means that they have low voltage somewhere, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the illness. If the voltage were normal, they wouldn't have the illness. So one of the things that's interesting to note is that the amount of voltage that will dissolve in a liquid is dictated by the voltage of the liquid. So if I take this bottle of water and put a tube in and bubble oxygen in here, then if I raise the voltage of the water, more oxygen goes into solution. But if I lower the voltage of the water, the oxygen goes out of solution and goes away. Well, that's important because our cells are somewhere between 70 to 90% water. So as the voltage in cells drop, the oxygen goes away. Well, as oxygen goes away, all sorts of bugs show up and it makes you susceptible to bugs. So it's very difficult to get infection if your voltage and oxygen are normal. And as a matter of fact, if you'll listen to some of the physicians that are on the news talking about patients, essentially all of the symptoms from the COVID virus are basically lack of oxygen symptoms. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So again, what controls the oxygen in the system? Voltage. Well, what can somebody do now, especially because we can't get to you? What are some simple things that anybody can do now? I know you shared some things about grounding ourselves and things that we can do now to at least help and at least move in that direction. Well, I can make some suggestions, but 
The problem is, for example, one of my friends who is a physician in Detroit has said, okay, if you do this and this and this, we have been taking people who have positive virus tests and making them go where they're not, don't have positive tests anymore in a matter of days. And the government has made him take all of that down. Yeah, yeah. Almost anything I say here puts me at risk of having somebody come knock on my door. That's true. Okay, I feel you and I certainly get that. And one of the things that I would encourage everybody to use, use your common sense. Use your common sense. There's not a physician on the planet, and obviously what Dr. Tennant is saying as well, that does not agree that fortifying our immune system at least of a defense that we all have that we can do to take care of yourself. There is one thing I think I can, can say without fear of retribution. It's important to understand the role of ozone in the human. Now, people have a tendency to, when they hear ozone, to think, oh, that's harmful. The reason is that when we get smog, which is a mixture of all sorts of dangerous hydrocarbons, it's difficult to measure all of those hydrocarbons, but we can measure the, fairly easily the amount of ozone that happens to be mixed with it. And so when you hear on the news, stay inside, the ozone levels are high outside, it doesn't mean that don't go outside because the ozone is going to hurt you. Don't go outside because the hydrocarbons are going to hurt you. So the reality is that ozone is simply three atoms of oxygen together. So two atoms of oxygen is the regular oxygen that we think about. Three is called ozone. Now, the way ozone is created is that you've got oxygen atoms and ultraviolet light strikes them and that assembles them. And some are symbol as two, some are symbol as three. But so there's always some ozone outdoors close to the earth itself. And as a matter of fact, the body itself uses ozone to kill infection. So if you get, let's say you get a strep throat or, or you got a staph infection in your in an incision or something, white blood cell will come and gobble it up. And if the white cell will start out with hydrogen peroxide inside the cell, turn it into ozone and use the ozone to kill the bug. That's the way your immune system kills bugs with ozone. So if you're outdoors, you're going to have the proper low amount of ozone that keeps the body healthy and keeps the infection down around us. And the ultraviolet light, of course, helps us as well because it makes vitamin D, and vitamin D blocks the holes on cell membranes that viruses like to go through. So one of the best things people can do, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or whether it's just every day, go outside. Go outside. Get a walk. Because our humans in our culture have become gophers. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so you get up in the morning in the dark, you eat breakfast, you go out in the garage and get in your car in the dark, you drive to work, you park in the garage, you go walk a few steps into your office, you stay there till dark 30, you get into your car, you drive back home, park in the garage, go indoors and start it all over again. So you never spend any time outdoors. And that's a recipe for getting sick. So one of the things that's best for you, people anytime including in the pandemic, is to be outdoors. Now, I'm not saying that you should violate the law because that's something I can't say. So I hope that you have a backyard or a patio or something that you can walk outdoors. But being inside is one of the worst things you can do if you want to avoid infections. 
Absolutely. Well, Dr. Tennant, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you're anything like me, I want more. <laughs> and as I said before, knowledge is one thing, but one of the great things about Dr. Tennant and his institute and the things that he does is he gives you real practical solutions. I um, literally, it has changed my life. The energy level that I have, the challenges that we're having before are all but gone now. And I've only been doing this for a few months. So what I encourage you to do, if you're listening to this, is to go visit him, Dr. Tennant. That's T-E-N-N-A-N-T. He's got some uh, YouTube videos. It'll get in more detail here. And look it up. And also, you know, we don't have time for it now, but you also do have a line of supplements to help people with their nutrition and their thyroid and all those things as well. So please do the research with him. Dr. Tennant, thank you so much. I know you're out the door and you're headed for the lake. <laughs> Get some outdoor right. or uh, in. So thank you. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, this man is brilliant. And as I said at the top of this, this is, in my opinion, such a huge, huge piece of where medicine is headed. So remember, life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. And this is your opportunity to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. God bless you. Thank you so much, Doc. And I'll talk to you soon. Y'all be well. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.